Boys, welcome back. Episode 77 of the Booth Review Podcast. We're here. Very special episode today, Tuesday, June 29th. We're here with Seth, as always, myself, as always, and Michael is joining us today as well. Long time no no here, I guess, on this podcast from Michael. Um, so how's it going? We'll start with you, Lynch. How's it going? It's going pretty well, you know. You know, already in summer, summer mode. It's been killing yeah. it so far. Kicking it with the boys. Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm exactly. excited to be back. I haven't been on here probably, ooh, I want to say April-ish would be the last time. Probably maybe. trivia, right? Yeah, it might have been a trivia. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, our podcast, which we're talking about bringing back soon, kind of like not took a, again, we do, we take hiatuses all the time, <laughs> but <laughs> we, it's not a hiatus. The, the time between episodes recorded just gets longer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so we're, we're talking about bringing up all night back on a regular basis, but yeah, I mean, wiffle balls buzzing and, and you're buzzing right along with it. So good to have you on the show for today. And then Seth, how's it going, man? Good. You know, we're uh, a week away from not being able to use one of my arms for like six weeks. So good way to know. look at it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, you know, so we're enjoying our last uh, moments of freedom, shall we say? Good. That's a good positive attitude. All right. Do you know what you're going to do? Have you like mapped out like any one armed activities that you can do to keep yourself busy? Have you bought a Wii? To play Wii Golf, maybe? Or something, well, I don't have to one buy hand. a Wii because I already have one. So oh. there's that. But okay. my bad. Um, <laughs> my theory is that I should, like, my hand is still going to work, right? Like, I'm going to have, like, you're actually specifically supposed to do, like, squeezes and, like, a stress ball and then, like, other things. And, like, you're supposed to periodically come out of the sling and, like, move your elbow a bunch. But, like, you have to do it yourself because you can't, like, because of where the tear is, it well, where part of the tear is, it's right where the bicep tendon connects to the shoulder. So I can't flex my arm on its own. I have to do it like with my other with my other hand. And so like, yeah. you're supposed to take out a swing and do that. So my thought is that I should theoretically be able to like play Xbox, but like it would be you know, it'd be awkward because like my arm is gonna be over to the side. Yeah, it's like it doesn't really matter because like it's not like I ever look at the controller while I'm playing anyway. But like it's just going to be in that weird spot. Yeah, yeah, you know, should be. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If you know, if you ever want the work in like Shell or the show or something while you're on the mend, give give me a call. I feel like I feel like I could beat you in Shell easily. I, it's been a while since I played. I'm not going to lie, but I feel like I could. Yeah, I've been I've been on that I've been on that. Uh, play like old games again like i just bought a wii um nice. <laughs> and i got i got some of the classics for the wii so i'll, I'll probably be buzzing on that um but yeah all right well good to have sports you. resort is so much fun love that game that's the one with all the sports right well so there's two of them right there's wii sports and then there's wii sports resort yeah. so wii sports was the one with like the boxing and the baseball you know shout out our TBR TikTok, but the um, you know that's with the baseball and the and golf is on that one as well. And then Wii Sports Resort, they came out with the like Wii Motion. I think it was called the Wii Motion Plus, yeah. which was either it was included in your controller if you bought the Wii late enough, or it was an attachment to the bottom. So, like I've got the attachment, uh-huh. and that one had like basketball. It had golf, but it was like better. Yeah, so it's a motion. 
yeah, it was like a different course, and like the the controller was just better. Uh, and they added they added disc golf into into the game when they really? did that as well. <laughs> yeah, there, there's like a whole frisbee thing too, because you can like one of the game modes is like you throw a frisbee to a dog, and you have to get to like a specific spot. There's wakeboarding. I'm dirty at wakeboarding. Uh, fencing is another one. That one's fun. So yeah, there's like Wii Sports Resort was like Wii Sports on steroids. Nice. Who was the one guy in that who was like you couldn't beat him? They Matt. had the Matt. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a bald black guy with the goatee. Yeah, he was like dirty at every single um, yeah. competition. Literally, he yeah. was filth. Yeah, shout out to Matt. I want to play. <laughs> I'm gonna beat Matt. Maybe I should make it my goal. We can do like a, a road to beating Matt. Twitch series. A Twitch stream every night to see if I can beat Matt. We bring Boomer Oakley back. That's also part of the... I don't think I said this to Seth. Maybe I did. I had a big announcement to make on the podcast, and I guess I'll make it now, is I'm not... I don't know how yet, but I am bringing the Boomer Oakley thing back in some capacity soon. I don't know how or what it's going to look like. I'm figuring that out right now. But streaming will be back on a regular basis within the next week. Nice. So that was my big announcement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, good to have both you guys here. Uh, Seth, the last time we were on a podcast, it was a little different. Uh, we didn't really talk all that much sports. Uh, that's right, changing we talk today. Sports at all? I don't think so. Oh, we talked wiffle ball at the end. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't talked much, but we didn't talk much sports on that episode. It was, uh, we had our, our focus was elsewhere, and I woke up the next morning or two mornings after whenever I, I, I go to check the thing. And when you're an admin on a on a uh, RSS is what podcast feeds are. So our podcast goes to Apple, iTunes and Spotify. When you're an admin on an RSS feed, you can go in and you can see the analytics of each episode and episode 76 skyrocketed to our most listened to episode ever after we put it out <laughs> in, in like in like the span of three days it literally it surpassed the u.s women's national team one the episode 50 trivia one the chocolate milk episode like the, all our top episodes there was another one that was in there that we did that was like most listened to and it like skyrocketed past all of those i don't have the specific numbers i don't remember for what it like, how many listens or streams we got on that episode, but like, but it it, it became our most listened to episode to to current date. So thank you all for listening to it. Um, I know that it was like controversial or whatever, and like ruffled some feathers, but like, you know, it's behind us now. That episode where it's we're moving on. It was something that we had to record, and we recorded it, and um, and then yeah, we just kind of like now we're back. So thank you all for making it the most listened to episode of all time. I appreciate that. And um, let's get into episode 77, though. Yeah, move on. Uh, it's a new day, new chapter. I'm like Kevin Durant. I should post something on the Players' Tribune. New chapter. Uh, po- post episode 76, Brendan Willett. So before we get I want to talk about NC State College World Series. But before we do that, I have a quick question. So last night, game one, Stanley Cup Finals. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. The the bar stool does like a stream or whatever of the people watching it. And I saw that on like a clip of it posted on Instagram was there was like um confusion about what the 
the referee signal for a penalty shot is. I saw it, and I'm confused as well. Because I got into a fair amount of, like I said on the I, last I, podcast. I saw a couple of your comments, yeah. Yeah, like I said on the last podcast, I comment on Instagram a lot, and it backfires, and I get into some beefs and whatever. Like, like that happened last night, because I saw... so. The it's back and forth between the point to the dot or the point to the center ice or the crossed arms above the head. Well, it's not a point to center ice, isn't it? Isn't it a point towards the net? I think it's to center ice. I think that's what the the discrepancy was point, because a point, point to towards center, the net is a goal. Well, so I I feel like when it's a penalty shot, they do a point towards the goal because point towards center ice usually means a goal after they did a review. No, but it's like, I think it is a point to center ice. It's just, but they don't, like, I but don't know they how to do a I don't point. Know to, like, there is a point involved when there's penalty shot, because that's how you know there's a penalty shot. Right. But, so, I so what do you think? Do you think it's the point? So, here's my thing. I know that there is a point, right? I know that that's how I know that there's a penalty shot. But I don't know. Is the debate, what is the effect? official signal of a penalty shot or what is the first thing because the first thing is usually whatever the penalty signal is right so if it was like interference right it'd be the it's an extra interference right isn't that what yeah. it is yeah it'd be like the extra interference and then they point and do the say penalty shot yeah i'm pretty sure that there's a point there okay so the the conversation or the debate that i saw was between whether it's the point to center ice or this. And I think it's this and then the point to center ice. Because I think, and when you look it up online in the official, like, penal, referee signals, NHL hockey officials, this is penalty shot. Yeah. But yeah. I also went back and I looked at, like, recent penalty shots, like, over this past season, and they point to center ice. So I don't know which one it is. I know the official one, and I don't know if, like, the rules change or whatever, but like when you look up the official one, it's this one. So that's right. Yeah, I see. I I can see that one too. And whenever you're like at the TD Garden and there's like a potential for a penalty shot, I feel like a lot of fans do that. No, oh, yeah. And even as a hockey player, like when yeah, there should be a penalty shot. Like your immediate reaction is like whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Yeah. So it's like when you just see a penalty as a fan, your arm goes up. I feel like every time I see like a potential penalty shot, I always do this. Yeah. But that being said, when you research it and, like, look up videos, I'm not seeing this used by the referees that much. I'm seeing a lot of point-to-center ice. They call the penalty, and then they do, like, the point-to-center ice. Yeah. And then the crowd goes nuts. So I don't know which one it is. And I just wanted to, like, get a clear sense of it from us because we all watch hockey. But I don't, I I don't know that anyone knows. <laughs> I never knew that there was a point. I never really paid attention to a point. Yeah. Other than, like, maybe so, playing, like, an NHL video game and you, like, see the ref do something, but it's not, yeah. like, for me. For yeah. me, it's, like, penalty shot and then whatever else happens. Okay, so, actually, right. I so it is a point. I actually just found a video from February 12, 2017. Okay. And when there's a penalty shot being called, the referee puts his arm up to say, hey, there's a penalty, and then when play ends... He points. He does the the right. So I've point. seen videos of where? that happen where he goes right to the he, point to center ice. But what happened to this? So here's the thing, right? So he points towards the center ice. That's correct. And then let's see if there's more of a call 
Yeah, so I don't, in this clip, it doesn't show, like, a call at center ice. So I think there might be, when he goes up to, um, like, the scorer's box, he maybe the signal is the X, but I'm not, I, I can just tell you from looking at what I'm looking at right now that they... Well, I think this, I feel like the signal is always just what the penalty was. So if it was a trip, I feel like once they get to the box and they're calling it, they say trip. Once they get to the box. I don't think any penalty is called there. It's just like the, the sign or what you're calling. The reason that you're. Well, I, okay. So they don't do like the, they don't do like the microphone thing where they're like Boston, whatever, but they have to go to the scorer's box. To tell right. that to so Why that they document it. Okay, yeah, that's true. So I feel like when they go there, that's when they tell them what the official score was. But I forever thought it was arm up, play dead, this, and then maybe a point to center ice. But I looked at some so, recent NHL videos and there's no this. But everywhere yeah. you look online, it says this. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not. It's definitely not like a arm bent. And it says, it's not like you know how with the um. Like when it's a goal, they like bend their arm and they keep on like going like this, like almost like the tomahawk chop. Yeah, it seems a lot more like it's either a sideways, as if they were like throwing a guy out, or they just point like up to center ice. Yeah, right. So as opposed to it being like a like a chop, it's more of just like a point out. Yeah, that's why I've, I've seen like yeah, Wes like, McCauley does the side like that. Yeah, yeah. like it, you know. Well, chop so it's block. interesting. I wonder if you're allowed to do both, and the referees just prefer to do that. Maybe because, like, I saw it, like, and a lot of people were like getting heated about it, like in the comment section. I was one of those people, and yeah. I, it's, I and first, <laughs> okay. So I feel like I feel like it, it's I feel like every answer is correct. Like there is no, yeah. and that's where my anger came from. Was like people were like, no, you're wrong. It's like, well, fucking look it up, dude. This is the official signal for a penalty yeah. shot. But I, I, I also see that that's just not used by any NHL referee. Like, all I see in videos of penalty shots is the point. His arm goes up, play dead, points to center ice. And then they go over to the scorer's box and they tell him the hook, slash, trip, whatever it was. I don't know. I just wanted to get some input on that. Cool little little niche conversation to have. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm a, now I'm going to look for it every time. I mean, I don't know if there will be a penalty shot in the stand. Has there been a penalty shot in the playoffs at all? I feel like there's never a penalty shot in the playoffs. There's very rarely. Yeah. So the only reason bad. why, when I saw the thing originally, I was like, it's definitely a point, is because in Cho, yeah. when you get a penalty shot, it always zooms in on the ref, and he yeah, always and turns. Yeah, he goes like, yeah. yeah. That's, it's that like weird animation graphic of yes. like the zoom in on the ref, and he like comes, skates in, and he's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. What That's you're the only about. reason why I always thought that it was a point. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna next time I see a penalty shot. I don't think we'll get one in the Stanley Cup final, but if we do, I'm gonna keep my eyes open for it, and we'll we'll update all of you. That might not be for like 35 more episodes until we see a penalty, maybe a hundred until we see another penalty shot, but it will happen eventually. Who knows? Um. All right. We Speaking talk. of the NHL, it made me, just yeah, before we move on, I saw a post on an Instagram account earlier today that was, it said five years ago, um, Montreal traded um, Shea Weber, or no, they traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. 
and yeah. it says five years in, you know, five years have gone by. And on the left, it says Shea Weber is playing uh, in the Stanley Cup final. And on the right, it says P.K. Subban is an analyst for ESPN. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's supposed to be a dig at P.K.? But didn't Nashville make the Stanley Cup final after they traded for PK? So like it's not yes. like it's it's not like he never made a cup final. In fact, he made it before Weber did. So it paid off for Nashville before it paid off for Montreal, realistically. And Good it like and, it, and it's kind of more like a meme account, so I, I don't think that it was meant to be like super duper like you know, PK sucks or whatever. But like yeah. it you're almost just like ignoring the fact that you know, he did make a cup, right? So it's not like, like, I think the trades worked out for both teams. Oh, I'll also say this. I feel like, I mean, we can talk about it once we actually get into the Stanley Cup thing, but like, I don't think you can accurately judge like a, like a, a trade like that based off of this season. Cause Montreal is just not supposed to be there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In a regular season where we have the divisions and conferences as we usually have them, Montreal's oh, not, yeah, even not even sniffing. The yeah. They're not even sniffing the postseason. So, that's the other thing. It's like PK did it in a normal year. Shea Weber walked through the North Division. And, yeah, I mean, I'm on the Canadians bandwagon just as much as the next guy is. So I don't want to, like, diss them. But it's like, you know, come on. They're not supposed to be in this series. And it showed. The um, only reason why I want the Lightning to win is because I think it'd be funny if the Canadian drought just continued. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those, it's like the Super Bowl for me. Like I said, I don't want either of these teams to be in it, and I don't want either of these teams to win it. So I'm just kind of, I'm indifferent. I'm just watching at this point. I'm a fan of hockey. I'm rooting for the refs, actually. (laughs) I've got got the refs every night. Just, yes. (laughs) You see Batman said the NHL referees are the best referees in the world. He said that? Yeah. And everyone was all up in arms about it. They're like, have you watched? Who are the best referees in the world? Probably NFL, right? Yes, I think the NFL has the least. Well, so here's the thing, right? Like when you really think about it, on average, it's probably the MLB, just because there's so many calls that happen in an MLB game from like a strikes perspective. But also, I would argue that MLB, like the only part of the MLB being an umpire that is like more difficult than anything in any other sport is calling balls and strikes because calling balls and strikes can be difficult. Like, I don't know that I could call balls and strikes, but I will forever complain about umpires screwing up balls and strikes. Like I'm just not going to not complain about it. Right. Um, But that's really the only part of that. Like, I think that MLB umpires have it pretty easy. And so like, I think on average, MLB umpires probably get the most calls correct just because I think they have it easy compared to the other refs. But I would say if you're looking for a combination of difficulty of the task and getting the right call, I think NFL is probably the best. Yeah, I agree with that. Speaking of, uh, you know, officiating that has been kind of here and there, College Baseball World Series. Yeah. Sick transition. Um, we have to talk about NC State. It's everyone's everyone in the sports media community is jumping and chiming in. And like, 
I think that the three of us will have some pretty decent things to say about it. So let's talk about it. NC State was playing against Vanderbilt in the College Baseball World Series semifinal, I guess is what you would call it. Um, and in after game, oh, sorry, before game two, four fully vaccinated players tested positive for COVID and had to be removed from the team, whatever. But the College Baseball World Series committee or whatever, NCAA baseball, um, allow still would allow NC State to play in game two against Vanderbilt just without those players and without, you know, whatever, with just following protocols. Which yeah, it, was, it was a total of uh, 14 players that got affected by a positive test. So it was probably those four guys, and then they probably had roommates. Close contacts. Were, yeah. You know, bunking with. And yeah. that's how they, uh, you know, the other guys. So they, in the, for that Friday game, they had 13 of their 27 players available. Yeah. So they were still allowed to play, whatever. Um, they play that Friday night game, and then quietly in the middle of the night, NCAA baseball tweets out at like 2 a.m. So NC State has been removed from the College Baseball World Series due to positive COVID tests the night before game three. Um, They take them out of the College Baseball World Series. Vanderbilt automatically advances to the championship. Um, And uh, I have my we'll, we'll get into it. But here's the first thing I'll say. What a fucking botched social media job by the College Baseball World Series. They, at 2 a.m., tweet out, like, trying to go quietly into the night, oh, NC State's done. They announce it in the middle of the night when no one is awake, so we all have to wake up to that news on Saturday morning. And then the the, <laughs> the straw that breaks the camel's back for me is that night Texas and um, Mississippi State were playing in the elimination game, same stadium, everything, in Omaha, <laughs> the the account tweets out like record attendance here at Omaha, you know, like for you know, a hundred percent capacity. It was like, what a fucking like whoever's running the social media should immediately just be fired for, for sending that tweet off. Literally hours after you kicked a team out for COVID protocols, you're bragging about how many fans you have in the stadium. It just seemed like such a fuck you to NC State. They got they got screwed through I think if any, if you were to say that, you know, like Seth, you and I talked about John Rahm a few episodes ago and like him getting kicked out of the memorial or having to withdraw from the memorial. We had earlier this year, uh, VCU basketball right in March Madness wasn't able to play their game against whoever it was, um, the seven C Oregon, right? Was it Oregon and VCU? I think I just it doesn't yeah. matter because neither team made it to the right. <laughs> Thank you for that. Seth. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> That, yeah, VCU had positive whatever and couldn't play their game, and Oregon automatically advanced. You had the Pac-12 championship decided because of, like, five different teams getting COVID all right before the Pac-12 tournament or the Pac-12 football, whatever. So I think take all of those into account, NC State got it the worst, especially because we're in the the age of full-capacity stadiums where vaccinations aren't required and uh, four players who were fully vaccinated get positive tests, and and then you are still allowed to play a game that night just without those players, and you're you're very much still in contention to win. And then the NCAA just pulls the rug out from under you at two a.m. that night. I think they got screwed the, the worst out of any I, any team. And I would say that got screwed even 
you know, even if all of those situations had happened at the same period of time, like in reference to COVID, I think they still are the team that got screwed the most because they were literally a game away from the final. Yeah. Right. Like, like we don't care about the VCU team getting kicked out because they, you know, even if they beat Oregon, they're probably not making it to the national championship game and they're not probably not winning it. Right. So like, especially it's a first round, they hadn't played a game yet. So we don't really care about that. Right. And then, you know, the, you know, Pac-12 tournament fund, whatever, right? Like, it didn't make that much of a, you know, big splash. But if you're NC State, you're on the doorstep. You're one game away. You won game one with a full roster, and then your roster gets, you know, taken down. Which, like, it's not like your roster getting taken down as a slate, right? Like, because it had to happen. If you test positive, that's it, right? Game over. You got to play, right? Like, I've made my opinion pretty clear on that. That's what we said with. Yeah, know, and so. that's where that's where you and I won't see eye to eye, but we're not going to get into that conversation. Right, right. There's no reason to. If you guys want to hear right. us beat that whole thing, you can listen to the John. Yeah, Rob go episode. listen to the last episode. <laughs> and, you know, my my thoughts on this are I, I would have the same opinion with the John Rom thing where, you know, once he tested positive, it should stop. But once the positive tests happen, and here's where I think it differs, right? Because Rom was testing negative. It, we're, you know, whereas I said, I don't think Rom should have ever played in the tournament because we knew that he could test positive because he was a close contact. These guys had the right to start. And then all of a sudden in the middle, after that first game, they get the positive tests, right? But then they let them play. So now the issue that I have is instead of there being a possibility of them testing positive over a period of time, you had multiple positives, which means you don't know who on the team could be exposed. Because, you know, granted, they are outside, but they're in a dugout together without wearing masks, right? So theoretically, anyone can get exposed. And we know from clearly from this and we know from the Yankees like a month or two ago where they had a bunch of vaccinated people test positive that yes, while being vaccinated severely drops the risk of you testing positive or having severe um, symptoms, you can still test positive. It's still possible, right? So the fact that they even let them play on Friday was ridiculous. But once they let them play on Friday, they never should have said, okay, you can't play on Saturday. Right. The only situation where I think it's acceptable for them to have said that they couldn't play on Saturday is if they had, like, four more positive tests, and then all of a sudden they were down to, like, eight guys because of, you know, close contact stuff. But if the number of players stayed at 13 that were available from Friday over to Saturday, and you let them play on Friday – there is no reason to say you guys can't play on Saturday. That's where I right. take issue with this. I think, you know, if you're going to set a policy, you have to stick to it. If I, you know, me agreeing with the policy has nothing to do with this at this point, right? Like, if, if you had a policy, you're playing on Friday, then they're playing on Saturday. There's no reason to change that. And I, that's where I really don't like what the NCAA did here. Yeah. Lindsay, you, you've been watching it, and you and I talked about early on, like you've been watching, you watch it, you know, in, every year. Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, I went back and I watched highlights of the games. I've been watching the games, and before this podcast, I even went back and I watched highlights of Vanderbilt games. To me, Vanderbilt doesn't, doesn't say much. Do you think NC State, like, had a legitimate shot to win the College Baseball World Series had this not happened? Yeah, I do. They... 
they already beat Vanderbilt. Well, I think it was the first game of the tournament. Maybe yeah. the second game of the tournament, they beat Vanderbilt. So going into it, although Vanderbilt was still like, they're, Vanderbilt's always going to be Vandy. Like, they're always going to be the team to beat, no matter yeah. what their record is, no matter who's on their team, no matter how bad they are in a stretch. They're always going to be Vandy. They're always going to be the team to beat. But they were going into that game. If NC State had a full roster, that game was not determined prior to, like, them going out on the field. It was not a guaranteed win for Vanderbilt or NC State. Yeah. They put up a good fight. Against their best, Kumar Rocker is probably Vanderbilt's best pitcher, other than Jack Leiter. We Jack saw Leiter, that yeah. pitch last night. He's lights out. Yeah. So is Rocker. Both great pitchers. And I believe NC State lost three to one with thirteen players and a pitcher yeah. first base. They had a they had a pitcher playing first base. I believe he went two for three, maybe three for three. Yeah. <laughs> like they they showed up to play with thirteen guys, and they they almost beat them. I, yeah, I, I honestly think NC State could have could have beat Vanderbilt. I, that's what that's what bothers me. Is it's not like it's like the shit team, the tournament that yeah. just got smoked by the best team. Like they were the only team at that point in time that I believe was undefeated. They didn't lose. They were two and out. I think going into I don't I feel like even Texas and Mississippi State lost a game. I'm not sure if that's right though. They probably did. But um. Don't like, don't fact check me on that. But like, I feel like NC State, like they they were no joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I don't where it bothers me is it's because like you gave him a chance on Friday, like Seth said, and then it's gonna pull him out. Like you gave him a chance to play, they proved that they can play with thirteen guys, and you're now you're just gonna take him out just because of like the, yeah. the protocols. Like if you got to stick to your word, you got to give him that full opportunity because Vanderbilt got the chance to play. Like they basically got handed a free ship to the like, Free trip to the World, World Series. Out of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but the, and you know the the thing with that too is like, you know, with Vanderbilt, like, what are they supposed to do, right? Like, they can't yeah, just not, say, they can't do much. you know, like, like this, yeah, it's, it's not their fault. That, it's, yeah, right. And it's the same thing with like when people say, you know, the Lakers ring is a Mickey Mouse ring, or the Lightning ring last year is a Mickey Mouse ring. Like, what were they supposed to do? Not try and win the cup and not win the cup in the situation that they were in. Like it's, you know, they they still earned it in that situation and Vandy proved that, right. They won game one pretty handily. Um, And so, you know, the thing, like, it's not like Vandy couldn't have made it right. Do I think NC state had a really good shot, especially, you know, you win game one and then you lose all of your players and you lose game two. Right. So like, I think that NC State had a legitimate chance, had no one tested positive to make it. But like Michael said, it is Vandy. Like Vandy is the premier program. Like you know, they're gonna have down years sometimes. Yeah. But it's like Duke, right? It's like Kentucky, right? Duke and Kentucky weren't great this year, but they're always gonna be the school that attracts the big name guys. They have the best alumni, you know, in the NBA. Like that's just what those two programs symbolize, right? That's what Vandy is. Yeah, here's what I'll say to that, though, is that, yes, I agree, Vanderbilt is like, you know, the staple of college baseball as an Alabama is to football or as a Duke is to basketball. Um, I'll say this, though. I went kind of using somewhat of an invisible hand here down the road. I went back and watched Vanderbilt play Stanford um, in, in that elimination game. I don't even think Vanderbilt should have been in the NC State series. I, they snuck past Stanford. They yeah. were They were down... By a decent amount of runs in that game, 
they had like defensively, I think Vanderbilt is horrible too. I mean, like Mississippi State, I just don't think is on the same level as them. So that's why I think they they handled them as well as they did last night. Um, and Jack Leiter obviously is like best pitcher in college baseball. But um, but I watched their defense against Stanford. They had like seven plus errors, which resulted in runs, all of them. Stanford was was hitting around on them, like, and the only reason they lost that game is I think Stanford just took their foot off the gas a little bit and opened the door enough for Vanderbilt to, to win the game. And they literally won on a wild pitch. They like, did. Yeah. yeah, they won on a wild pitch. Bases were loaded. Kid, I don't know how he throws, throw that, throws that ball, but it looks like it just slips out of his hands right away and just pops straight up. Yeah. Um, catcher, it gets like stuck in the mat behind home plate too. Catcher can't get to it in time. Mm-hmm. Run comes in, Vanderbilt wins. They go on to the next series. But like, when people are saying, like, oh, look at the way that Vanderbilt played last night. Like, yeah, they proved that they should be there. I don't even think they should have been in the NC State series, which is even more bothersome for me why the NCAA took NC State out of the tournament. Was, like, I don't, you know, Vanderbilt really didn't prove themselves against Stanford. They kind of snuck their way into this series. They lost game one. They hardly beat NC State with 13 guys. Who knows what would have happened in that third game. I to say that like yeah Vanderbilt has proved it like no it's not their fault and like I like obviously what are they going to say like no we'll pass on going to the college world series thanks no obviously they have to go but I mean if they end up beating Mississippi State I don't know how you can't put a little asterisk next to this victory just like I put an asterisk next to the Tampa Bay Lightning next to the the Lakers next to the Dodgers next to uh, NFL didn't have an effect by it at all but um that that's I don't see how you can't look back on the 2021 college baseball world series if Vanderbilt ends up winning, or even if they don't and say like, what a miscarriage of justice this was by the NCAA. They fucked NC state who I think, especially too, because Texas got knocked out by Mississippi state. I feel like NC state would have won. Like I feel like that's a no brainer. I think Vanderbilt's going to win. Mississippi state is just like not, not on the same level. I would have much preferred a Texas Vanderbilt college baseball world series or Texas NC State, or Stanford, or whoever. Right, but that's also, that's the nature of the elimination bracket, right? Because it's one game. You have one game that, right. you know, each time, again, it's, it's not like you're getting these three-game series. So, yeah, if, you know, anything can happen in one game. That's why college baseball is a lot more like, you know, football. Because in football, you only get one game to do it. In college baseball, you pretty much only get one game to do it down the stretch, right, until you get to those final couple of series. yeah. No, I, I get, I get that. I just, I just think that you can't not put a star next to this year after what happened, and, and like if Vanderbilt wins, everybody is going to say, "No, nah, NC State should have won. This doesn't count. They shouldn't have won." I think, I think NC State should do what UCF did all those years. They weren't put into the <laughs> CFP and just, just say that they won. Like no one's stopping you. Just right. NC State won the 2021 College Baseball World Series. Also, if, if Vanderbilt also, wins, that's what we're saying. I, I also think that, like, even if they let them play on Saturday, I don't think NC State wins on Saturday with half their roster. I mean, they all, but they almost won Friday night with half their roster. Yeah, and they were going bad. against a worse pitcher on Saturday because right. Lighter I, yeah, and Rocker had, or whatever it's, it's had already so been used. Tough. Like you're sitting, you you and I was like, I don't know what the makeup was. Like, I don't know if it was, you know, nine position players and four pitchers or whatever it is. Oh, it but was I think, random. They had a pitcher like, yeah, it was, it was sporadic. Yeah, 
Right, and so that's my point, right? Like the fact, the fact that they were close in on Friday's game, I think, is less a product of them being a good baseball team and more a product of Vanderbilt just having a bad day. Oh no, I thousand percent disagree. Disagree with that. Vanderbilt, yeah. <laughs> if Vanderbilt was like the consensus number one team, as like most people make them out to be, they wouldn't have lost to NC State one to nothing with lighter pitching. Two days before, or three days, right. before. they didn't put up any runs against the the, the number one guy. And it just shows you, you that last night guy, they yeah. win eight to two with the same roster. So like that just tells you how good NC State was. Is like if NC State's playing against Mississippi State, no contest. Yeah. No, like they won eight to two. It was seven one in the first inning last night. The game was over by the time Vanderbilt got you know three outs in the bottom of the first. The game was like you could put the lid on it. We're going to game two. That to me just shows you how good NC State was that they were able to compete with right, this team with a my, full and a non-full roster. That's yeah, I agree with that. My, my point, my point with that too, though, it is when you have a situation where you have a pitcher playing first base, arms are going to wear down. Like yeah, I think their pitching, pitching staff, I think their pitching staff would have been an issue on Saturday. I think they would have been worn down, and I think that they would have given up a lot of runs. I think two, it would have happened. Two guys, I believe, in the the game on Friday. They only threw two guys. And they had the pitcher that was playing first base would have started the day after. And had he pitched on, what, Thursday? I believe he pitched the day, but whenever, maybe it was Tuesday, is when Vanderbilt and um, NC State faced off the first time. Here's a good way to put it. Is you can't you can't definitively say that Vanderbilt was going to win. I agree with you. No, it'd be, it'd that, be one thing if like Vanderbilt smoked NC State in the first yeah. game, and then this happens. It's like all right, they were going to win anyway. Yeah. This series was going to go. It could have gone either way, and I would say based on what happened on Friday night with the thirteen guys, that you could make a strong argument that it was leaning towards NC State on Saturday. You could also well, say that it's a product of like I, I, what you're saying no, is it's Saturday, leaning towards Vanderbilt. Think, Saturday, there's no question that the momentum is leaning towards Vanderbilt, right? Because they they I think there's somewhat of a question. <laughs> I don't know. There there can't be because you have a think about this in baseball terms, right? You have a, a lineup where so so you you get you lose on that first game, right? And so NC State's high coming into game two, but also they lose half their roster. And then it's a slugfest. No, oh, it was not a slugfest. It was three to one. Right. But what I'm saying is a slugfest as in like close, like hard fought game. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that benefits NC but, like, State. The fact that they played with 13 no, I, guys and kept but, it a two-run well, game. And more yeah, hits. Too. I guess from a confidence yeah. standpoint of, look, we only lost by two with half right. of our roster. Sure. But there's also the level of Vanderbilt's going to come out of that and say, hey, we just got through this tight one. They're going to be depleted. And then there's the fact of you basically get two guaranteed outs every nine hitters, right? Because when you have a pitcher that's playing in the field. Oh, the pitcher went like pitcher three for four. He went three for four. Yeah. Are, oh, are these guys like actual good hitters? No, yeah. I, I don't pay attention to this. I just, I'm he thinking. He was no joke. He, he was actually like a very good player on the team. Yeah, yeah, the best then, then, then it's a different story, right? Yeah. But I, I, I think I think you can't definitively say one way or the other that it right. was gonna, and that's where like the middle ground for all of us is is like NC State got screwed, and it's not like Vanderbilt was the clear runaway front runner to win 
Like yeah. NC State with 13 guys lost by two. NC State with a full roster against the best pitcher in college baseball won the game. Yep. And then Vanderbilt gets the free pass into the World Series, and they're just playing a a, a beta team. Like, I'm sorry, Mississippi State. You had a good run. You had a nice upset win over Texas. But it's, man, last night was bad. And I don't know what tonight's going to bring. I don't know if Mississippi State, like, it could, it, it's it, it's over if um Vanderbilt wins tonight, right? Yeah, it's Vanderbilt. just a best of three. Best yeah. Three. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could very well be over tonight. Bet the over, though. The I over. bet the over last night and it hit in the first <laughs> inning. <laughs> Do it again tonight. It's going to hit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I want to. We we should make an update podcast after Vanderbilt wins and just NC State parade. I would organize that. My God. Where they are just. I'll make shirts because we've been making shirts lately. Um, Seth Seth had a sick idea okay, for a um, shirt the should, other day. <laughs> we should point out though that that was the only game this year that he said in. Yeah, I know, but so, so it could before. have been a fluke. It went three like, for four. It wasn't like a guarantee. You said a guaranteed out. He, he hit two hits off a rocker. That's not like. He hit, he hit, uh, he was 0 for, he was, sorry, he was 1 for 5 in 2020. In, in nine games. He only had, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't think he came not, out against one of the best pitchers in college baseball. And, and how many and hits did he have? Two yeah, or three? No, it's, it's definitely it's an accomplishment, but I'm not going to sit here and completely walk back my statement that it's a you know you have two guys that are shaky at I think you sh- I think you should walk back the two guaranteed outs thing I think <laughs> cuz he just know, he, he, pitchers, he, pitchers are close to guaranteed outs like obviously it's not a not this guy <laughs> that's as close to a guaranteed out as you're going to get I think it's important to remember though that NC State went out on Friday with I believe maybe Four starters normally. I think they were down. Like I don't know if that's correct. They had their starting catcher. They had their who they had. They had like their left fielder and center fielder. The the left and right fielder were playing the right positions, I believe. But they had they had so like a majority of their lineup field. didn't play at all this year. Barely played, and they still fought and had a well fought game against one of the best teams in the nation. Right, but so, so like, there's two things, right? So first off, they never at any point were tied, other than that. Oh, I know, oh, I know. They, they were up so, two, two nothing, and then two one, and then th- they won three one. Right, and it looks like three guys that their it looks like their entire outfield was normal players, or at least from a you know normal players, you know, because the they didn't have the center and second guy were three nineteen average and three seventy six average. And then the three guys after that all look like they got playing time this year just because they've got weird number batting averages, but it doesn't, you know, they're not stellar guys. You know, the best out of those three is a 250 hitter. And then the rest of the lineup is that one, you know, that pitcher, right, played first base, who it's literally his first four at-bats of the year. And then a DH who went 0 for 4, has a zero average on the year. A third baseman whose average is 0.83 on the year, and then a pinch hitter whose average is 77 on the year. Yeah. So, like, they weren't exactly, you know, that's the other issue, too. If you're pinch hitting a guy that's a 0.77 hitter, well, like, what, your depth at some point falls. They like, had if, the depth if, going if, if, if that Saturday game was to happen, I would have 
been all over Vanderbilt. I would have thought oh, that much. So the opposite. I would have hammered NC State on the line. All that. Listen, we're, we're, we can throw on numbers all we want, but at the end, there's something that we're missing too, and it's just like the big game right, factor right. Yes, of it again, all it's, is it's like numbers, the right? momentum numbers, of it. I feel like I feel like this is fucking something straight out of Coach Carter. Like 14 <laughs> of your guys go down with you know close contacts or positive COVID tests. You've got to play Vanderbilt. It sounds like a Disney movie. And I would have hammered NC State. I think they would have won. I legitimately think NC State would have won the College Baseball World Series. Especially, like I said five minutes ago, because Mississippi State sucks. <laughs> right, but the, so, so the, without any COVID positives, I think you're absolutely right that NC State is probably going to win. I think that I, I think it's crazy that the NCAA, like, I'm not gonna like, they have a full capacity well, stadium. Yeah, you don't yeah. have any yeah. evidence to go into that place. Yeah, that you no don't have COVID. Positive, tests, whatever. You can show. I could walk in there with. I could have COVID. Walk in there, say hi to everyone, touch everyone, hug hug everybody, and nobody would know. And that's why I said to Seth, I was like, if you tested every single fan in that stadium, you'd have a ton of positive tests popping right. up left yeah, and yes. right. Yes, so why two, do the players? Two, why do the players? Have, why can't they? Agree. It's gone. There's two. There's two things. There's two things. There's a difference between you could have COVID and you do have COVID, and you're making the assumption based on legal agreements that people are agreeing to by showing up, it's like on your ticket, that if you feel symptoms of COVID, like you feel like you have symptoms of COVID, whether or not you actually have is a different story. You feel like you have the symptoms, you don't show up, right? So there's a huge difference between filling a stadium, and you know, I said the same thing on the ROM podcast. There's a big difference between having spectators who, yes, could potentially have COVID and having a player who you know for a fact has COVID. This is a completely different story of exposing people to a situation where potentially there's someone who could have COVID and exposing people to a situation where there is someone who has COVID. But you also have to remember, too, right, like, I think the United, you know, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think that it was like in total 30 million COVID cases or something out of, you know, so it's it's a less than 10% or whatever. Yeah, 33.6 million people got COVID just throughout the whole, you know, time since COVID started, right? Yeah. U.S. population is 330 million. So you're looking at less than 10% of the population actually tested positive for it. And at this point, we're only getting 15,000 cases a day, you know, between. It's funny, actually, on June 4th, there were zero new cases reported. But then on both the days around it, there were over 10,000. So we're looking at like a variation between 6,000 and up to just shy of 20,000 right now. You know, that's just the state that we're in. So, like, people are still getting it, but the numbers are so much lower at this point that you're able to take that chance of, yes, someone could have it. But if someone actually has it, that's a completely different story. You just can't expose it. I mean, I'm... It's Like you said, less than 10% of the population got it. This is a disease with a 99.7% survival rate. More right, people that's, that's are dying in total from the flu. That changes based on the person, right? Like in total, yes, there's a 99 point. I just, I think it's different. I think the mindset has changed. Like we're not in, we're not in November of 2020 anymore. 
I, I just I don't I don't I don't get how like what's the message we're sending with having a full stadium of people yeah. who could be or not vaccinated, but then telling a team they can't play in this tournament. Like, that's that's my issue is like you have a full stadium where like you're not required to vaccinate, you're not required to prove a positive test, but yet these players like four of them test positive and now we're kicking the team out of the tournament. That's my issue right there is like it's it seems hypocritical to me to be bragging about here's, here's the amount the of fans that are in there. If, if I'm driving and I almost hit someone's car, I don't hit them, but I almost hit them. Do we have to report an accident? No, because you didn't actually hit them. You could have almost hit. It's but it's the same. It's the same thing where if you could but, have but almost. We're talking hit about them, there's no vaccine for did. car accidents. We, we have vaccines in there's, place, right? Like, but as we've seen, based on this exact scenario and other scenarios, like with the Yankees. Being vaccinated reduces but does not eradicate the chance of Seth, if okay. Seth, if if you get a vasectomy, do you still wear two condoms when you're sitting alone in your room? No. Alright. Here's my thing. How many players actually got or how many players tested positive? Four. Am I correct? Yes. And why did fourteen not play? Because, because of COVID, you know, bullshit contract yeah, contact that's, tracing. That's but true. they weren't positive. They that's should have been able to play. They're not positive. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah, Michael. They, <laughs> they don't. Four do. Ten could. So let's That's a good point. It's the same that's thing. a great point. It's still the same thing as Rom, though. Because <laughs> as of, yeah, as of the Monday, so if you take the four out, if take the four who we know have it, because you're saying the fans could have it, why do the other ten not because play? there's a difference. There, there, well, how is there a difference? <laughs> because, because the people in the stands... Could have COVID. Could have COVID. And so... Those ten players but you're, could you're, have COVID. But no, you're, let me finish here, okay? In the stands, there is someone who could have COVID. But by showing up to a game, you are saying that to your best knowledge, you have, do not have any symptoms of COVID and you have not been exposed. Right? These 10 players that did not test positive yet were exposed Seth, to Seth, COVID. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. My local marketplace has a sign on the door that says, Non-vaccinated customers must must wear a mask. Do you think I put a mask on when I walk in the store? No. <laughs> I'm just saying, like all those fans, it, just because it says in little fine print on the ticket, like, oh, if you were in close contact, you think if you get a ticket to the College Baseball World Series and like your next door neighbor gets COVID and you're in close contact, you think you're not going to the game? No. Like it's the same I mean, thing. If, that if was your great. If you are right going to a game the day after you were next to someone who you know for a fact had COVID, you're just being irresponsible, right? Because I don't think so. What if, if you're not, if you don't have COVID, if you don't have COVID and like you're vaccinated if, and if like, you don't have COVID and you're vaccinated, I don't care what your vaccination status is. If, if you one day were exposed to someone that you know for a fact has COVID and then the next day you are out and about without a mask on going near people, that is irresponsible, which is why these other 10 guys had to quarantine and couldn't play. Because, you know, four guys test positive, right? Let's say that they're in rooms of three people or four people, right? 
So each guy has two roommates, and then maybe, you know, two of the other guys went and were hanging out with them in their room, right? So you're sitting in a room with some in a tight, confined space with someone who has COVID, presumably not wearing a mask, which is why they got quarantined because of this. So there's a pretty high likelihood, you know, obviously, if you're vaccinated, it's less than if you're not vaccinated. But there's a good chance that you could test positive for COVID, which is what happened with John Rom. John Rom was in close contact on a Monday and then two days later was playing in the tournament. Right. And we know for eight days for someone to test positive. After they get um, was exposed. Right. So if you got exposed. Sorry, my microphone's are. If you get exposed... Your audio quality just, like, got significantly better, I was just going to say. like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it sounded, like, crisp as fuck. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, and my earbuds disconnected and reconnected. My bad. I, I didn't hear anything go ahead. you just said. But, go ahead. You have the floor. But yeah, once you once once you know that for a fact that you were in close contact, there's a possibility that you could test positive within the next eight days. So at that point, once you knew that they were next to people who actually tested positive, then you have to pull them. There's no because then you're exposing yourself to a lawsuit at that point, because if more people because if in the NCAA's position, right, if you are told that there are 10 people who were in close contact with four people who did test positive, and then you say it's okay for them to be near these Vanderbilt players, it's okay for them to be near their teammates and near their coaches, and then, God forbid, one of those Vanderbilt players or one of those NC State players or coaches tests positive and then dies, you have a massive lawsuit on your hands because you actively put someone... That's like worst case scenario. Right. Obviously, obviously, (laughs) obviously that's worst case scenario on steroids. Obviously, obviously. But it's not a zero percent chance. And so if you're the NCAA, you can't take that chance. Okay, I understand that. What is it? What are they they telling us a vaccination does for you, though? Builds up immunity, helps slow the spread, stop the spread, safe way to protect you from covid lowers the numbers and all, and that's, like, statistically, like, since we've started rolling out vaccines, like, you just said it, like, we had zero new cases the other day. Obviously, there's still cases that are popping up. That also comes with people that are getting tested more, too. Like, it's just a fact, if you have more people getting tested, you're going to have more positive cases. I just, I'm, and it's been the story with me the whole time. Like, we're just getting mixed messages from everywhere. If if there were no fans in the stadium, Seth, then I would a million percent agree with what you were saying. It's the fact that, you have a full stadium. You are bragging about how full your stadium is, and then you're saying yes, that this I team can't play. I don't like the bragging about the full stadium. I agree with you on that. I just think we're getting – it's so many bullshit mixed messages. It's like yeah. there should be one clear-cut way because then you don't have this backlash. Because then I would sit here and say, like, all right, this is how they, they should handle it. This is how they said they were going to and they're going to. It's fair, and, like, it sucks. We wish it could be different, but this is where we are right now. But we aren't there right now. We are at the point where the fucking Twitter account is bragging about how many people are in the stadium, no masks, whatever. But you're telling these kids that they can't play in the tournament uh, because four positive tests and 10 additional 
close contacts or like protocol victims or whatever. That to me is bullshit. That's my biggest issue with this whole thing is like we're just sending mixed messages across the board to the point where it just seems so hypocritical to me that I don't even Vanderbilt is not the national champion anymore and they haven't even won it yet. <laughs> it's NC State. It's already been declared by me. So that's enough authority for everyone to start calling NC State the champions. <laughs> in my opinion, now that I now that I said it. <laughs> Thank you, Grand Wizard. <laughs> You're welcome, little wizard. <laughs> um, but yeah, all right. On the topic of baseball, can we talk foreign substance checks? Because this is some bullshit yeah. too. It's getting wild, yeah. First of all, I I have a I have a proposal. Okay, let's hear it. We don't do foreign substance checks on player pitchers that suck. I think that would save <laughs> us a lot of time. Like, yeah, if you I go out there and you get railed for like five runs, just don't yeah, do it. So I'm sitting, I was at the Red Sox game the other night. We were on TV. Michael pointed that out. Quick plug. Um, <laughs> we're sitting there and Sawamora, the relief pitcher for the Sox, comes in. He walks like four straight on like 16 straight balls and they pull him and he gets foreign substance checked. And I, I literally sat there and I said out loud, I didn't even know I said out loud. I was like, he just threw 16 fucking balls in a row. He doesn't have pine tar on him. Yeah. Like I think eliminate the foreign substance checks for the players that are trash. Just yeah. sort that out. And then if someone's having a really good game, like throwing a no hitter, I'd be like, okay, Maybe, like, see if there's anything on the inside of his glove. But the fact that we're doing this after every half inning, it, it's a strip show. These guys, also, it looks like they're going through a fucking yeah. TSA pre-check after right. every half inning. They're, like, taking their belt off. They're taking their hat off. It, it is a sense. joke. <laughs> it, it's yeah, a yeah. joke. <laughs> there needs to be a, a better way of handling it so that these players aren't sitting here and stripping their belts off. Like, I think, you know, once you've been checked, like, I think that there should be checks at like, you know, after the first inning, and then maybe do like after the fourth inning. Like, like if it's a starter, maybe every two innings that they pitch, they get checked yeah, or whatever. I right? think that's even a little too much. I would do well, if for a starter. I do it thing, before the game. The the only thing with that, it, well, if you only do it before the game, then they could get checked, then go into the dugout, and then they could put the sticky stuff on. Right. But right? Like, so okay. The, so here's the other thing. Uh, granted, this this theory became false a few days ago when that dumbass from the Mariners got uh, tossed yeah. from the game. Right. Who in their right mind is going to be using the sticky stuff now that all of this has been going on? Right. And I know that the guy did it the other day, but like, still, I feel well, like I mean, you the could risk say the same is thing. much greater than the reward. You could say the same thing about steroids. How the heck did Robinson Cano get suspended for an entire season for using steroids when they're checking them and they have been checking them for years? How did Alex Rodriguez continually get suspended for using performance-enhancing drugs? It's because yeah. people are stupid, right? So if there's a rule, a they're <laughs> going to break it to try and get the competitive edge. That's just what they're going to do. Do I absolutely agree that if a guy goes out there and gives up five runs, it's <laughs> ridiculous that we're checking him? Yes, I do. But there's also the level of it's not like it's slowing the game down because they're only doing this during points where there's a commercial break, right? Yeah. So in between innings, it's a commercial break. So the umpire is going over and checking a guy for pine tar in less, or well, yeah, yeah, checking a guy for sticky stuff in less time than it takes for the opposing pitcher to warm up and for less time than it takes for the commercial break to go on. Yeah. 
there shouldn't really be a complaint from the fans because it's not like we're slowing the game down by doing this. Do I get that the players feel like a lot of their privacy is being invaded and they feel like, you know, their integrity is being put in question, a lot of whom it really shouldn't be put in question because, you know, there are guys like a Max Scherzer, there are guys... Um, you know, like a Jacob deGrom, like a Madison Bumgarner, who've been doing this at a high level for so long that it's pretty much out of the question that they've been using some super special sticky stuff. We just know that they're good. Like, yes, I think they have a legitimate gripe that it feels like their integrity is being, you know, questioned. But we're not slowing the game down. For the most part, these have gone smoothly. There was um, Trevor Bauer complained earlier today or last night um, to the media that Angel Hernandez was being too thorough in his check. But, you know, other than that, it's it, as much as I hate to agree with Rob Manfred, it feels like the checks have gone okay. You know, like, you know, there is a certain level to like Girardi specifically requesting that the guy continually get checked when he's already like, like that, that felt excessive to me just because he'd already been checked like two or three times there was no reason to go up and check them, right? right. So, you know, it, it, th- there's a certain level of once we've checked a guy three times in the past four innings, it's pretty unlikely that he's got stuff on him. We can probably let him play, but we're not slowing the game down. You know, it, it, it really doesn't matter that much. And honestly, like I still, I still hold you know, like we talked about, me and Will talked about a couple episodes ago, you know, they shouldn't have implemented this mid-season, but it's something that should be implemented. And if you're complaining about it, well, you shouldn't have cheated. You're ruining the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I don't, I'm not coming at it from a pace of play standpoint. I think it just looks fucking stupid. And I think, like you said, like we're doing this to some guys. Like imagine coming into a game as a relief pitcher give it up like five runs and then you're walking off and the ump's like, Hey, I need to check to see if you're using like yeah. illegal substances. It, it, it just seems like I would feel like offended that my integrity was in question. And it's like, it's again, it's like, it's like, this is why we can't have nice things. There are certainly individuals who are ruining it for everyone else that have been using the sticky stuff, the, the spider tack, the pine tar, whatever. I think it should be under a spotter basis kind of like how concussions are now, like how they pulled Varlama from that game for a little bit because to get checked. I think that's how it should go is like, if you're pitching a game and like you're pitching fine, whatever, like we know there are pitchers Seth, like you mentioned, like guys that are on the top of their game that have never used sticky stuff. We don't think and have never needed to, because they can pitch at that high of a level with just their bare hands. The rosin obviously is a legal substance, but you know, Obviously, there's going to be people who bend and break this rule, but I don't feel it necessary that every single player who steps on that mound has to get checked. The other night, a second baseman came into the game and pitched like uh, one <laughs> half inning, and they checked him. Really? Like, I yeah, I just don't think that every single player who touches the baseball on the the rubber needs to get checked for foreign substances. You should have a spotter up, you know, wherever or like multiple spotters, even if you plant someone in the dugout like an official from the MLB in both dugouts that watches the pitchers in between innings to make sure they're not doing anything to their hands. Do something like that. Just make it a little less public because, again, it's kind of humiliating for these MLB pitchers who are, like, pitching gems and then walking back to the dugout and then on their way, it's like, wait, hold on. I have to strip search you real quick. 
You know, like, like there should be a more efficient way to do this. And I know it's new and it's young and it just got implemented like a few, not even two weeks ago. But I just think there should be a better way to do this so that we don't have to humiliate these guys and publicly take their their integrity into question and kind of tarnish the name of, you know, a, a starting MLB pitcher and whatever it may be. That's that's my two cents on it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right, let's let's finish up with Stanley Cup. Let's talk about it. A lot of our forte in the hockey world. Game one yeah. last night. Initial thoughts on how it went. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty convinced that uh, Tampa's going to win the series. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it looks like it's a team of men versus a team of children. It's, so it's like, I mean, the Canadians are a good team, but... Yeah, Brent and I talked about this earlier off the podcast, but it's like they just one of my biggest gripes with this season as a whole is being like the way that they have the conferences. You yeah. they, you only you played against the same seven or eight teams all year, yeah. and that was it. So this is the first time the playoffs are the first time that teams are actually playing against each other when they normally would. Like they're in the same division and right. normally yeah. And it, it was clear that the the winner of the North Division was going to be the lesser team, no matter what. The North Division was just not even as close to as strong as the other divisions, just the, like competitiveness-wise in general. But I had some hope that maybe the Canadians were going to be able to kind of you know stop the Lightning, especially one of the strengths that the Canadians have had is their defense on the rush, like stopping the, the rush, like coming into the zone, creating plays. They did a really good job stopping that. And last night... The Lightning just exposed it. There's something yeah. about the Lightning can just expose any team play, and it just doesn't look. It doesn't even look fair. Like <laughs> that's what I was well, gonna I say. Mean, is it just they weren't the Canadians just weren't competitive, and it was yeah. it was like you said it was it was apples and oranges when it came to the Tampa Bay Lightning's you know skill set versus the Canadians, and that's not necessarily a product of like I know a lot of people want to blame it on like the salary cap or like the Tampa's so stacked. But I, I think it's just a product of of the season, like you said. Like, no, I don't think the Canadians are, are a weak team necessarily. Would they have been in the playoffs if it were a regular year? No. But it's not like we called an AHL team up to play against the Lightning for some like charity cup. Like this is an NHL team with oh, yeah, you know, right. pro- arguably one of the better goaltenders of our lifetime. Um, and some pretty solid players on that team too. You have some good offensive weapons. You have some some strong defenders. Like th- yeah. they're a pretty wholesome all around team. But they're um, not, they aren't in a normal year. You would not pin these two teams up to play against each other in the Stanley Cup Final. No, and That's also in a normal year, I think this series would be more competitive because you're playing against everybody. When you it's kind of like muscle memory. When you do something the same amount of times for six, seven months in a row, it's six, it's six and a half months right now since the NHL season started. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of just get locked into that routine. So the Canadians have been playing against lesser talent. That's just yeah. kind of a fact. And they so you sign against them until yeah. the that's the point. And then you throw them into a series against the Lightning, who have been playing against some pretty solid talent. Granted, I think the the strongest division was the Bruins division. But the Lightning were playing, you know, Hurricanes were at the top of that division. The Lightning were were um, third in this division, right? It was Hurricanes and then someone else, and then... No, I yes, think I think... One, and then Hurricanes were two, and then Predators were three? No, or were, the, or were the Predators four? Predators were four, and Hurricanes were one. So they must have been two. Yeah, so they were two, then. 
Who was the who I, did the Lightning play in the first round? I think they played the Panthers. I think the Panthers were ahead. Panthers were one. Panthers were number one. No, no, no. It Panthers was the King. No, Panthers, Panthers were two. two. Panthers, Panthers were two. Okay. Tampa was three. Because yeah. Panthers had home ice. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The Tampa no, was yeah, the Panthers were seed. two and Lightning were three. Light, Lightning were three, though, because um, Stamkos missed a ton of time and Kucherov was out for the entire year. Right. But oh. still, this, this is the third. Uh, yeah. This was the... <laughs> This is the third place team in that division. Yeah. Um, Canadians are the fourth, but um, they barely. Just, yeah, and the only like, here's what I'll say about the Canadians: if you had any chance to win this series, or if if you have any chance, you have to do it on the road. Yeah. Home ice advantage is not yeah. your friend in this series because there's seven people in in the in the Bell Center that they're that'd letting in. Oh, so, that'd be sick. Dude, I saw someone post this. It is literally cheaper because there's so little tickets in the Bell Center because they're only letting in like like five percent people. It is cheaper for for the average Montreal Canadiens fan to buy plane tickets to Tampa Bay, buy tickets to games one and two, and then buy tickets to fly back than it is to go to one game in Montreal, which they also so. can't do because the borders closed. Yeah, but just right. mathematically, but yeah, mathematically, it right. would be cheaper right. to do all of that. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that bothers me about the whole capacity thing and with how expensive the tickets are is when you watch these Canadians playoff games, they've got like. 3,000 people just standing right next outside. to each other all packed in outside. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, if I'm the Canadian government, why am I letting all of these people stand outside right next to each other without masks on and not let them go inside yeah. and sit next to each other with masks on? Like, if I'm not breaking up this giant group of people outside, why shouldn't I let them be masked inside? Just doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make scene any from sense game six outside of the Bell Center when they knocked Vegas out, That's I got to sworn there was like 20,000 people in the streets going nuts. And I'm like, oh, you can't let like 10,000 like really? of them in the stadium? <laughs> it, doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, what I'll say about the Canadians is I feel like the only like yes they are great defensively they do have that grinder fourth line that really helps them out but i feel like the only reason why they're here is carrie price and while carrie price is a top three goaltender you know i'm not saying that he's like third i'm saying he is definitively a top three goaltender in the nhl he can't you know we saw it with tuca in 2013 and in 2019 your goaltender can carry you to the Stanley Cup final, but once you're actually there, you need a complete team to actually win it. There's just no way to win a Stanley and Cup the final issue solely is on goal. This is the first time where Carey Price is getting is going to get out goaltended in a series. He right. did I thought it was going to be against Vegas, and they had major issues in that yeah. going back and forth between Flurry and Leonard. It didn't, I mean, the Jets and the Leafs have, I mean, Jack Campbell with the Leafs, like, whatever, flash in the pan, we'll see how he pans out, but, like, not compared to Carey Price. This is the first time in the playoffs where Carey Price is going to get out goaltending, we just know it. Vasilevsky is, is just an insane goaltender. When we saw it last night, the Canadians' one goal was a fluke. Literally shouldn't, and you could say the same thing about some of the Lightning's goals, they had, like, a few double deflections, a lot of deflections last night, actually, between both yeah. teams. But, Realistically, Vasilevsky could have had a shutout. 
Um, he played well. Granted, they didn't test him all that much, but he sees the puck like no other goalie sees the puck. There are a few times where he didn't see the puck and still managed to get a piece of his pad, his blocker, his glove, whatever on it. He's just a different animal, and that's going to be the story of this series is Vasilevsky's going to win the goaltending battle. Tampa's defense is going to win the defensive battle. Tampa's offense is going to win the offensive battle. They're, I can't pinpoint one part of you know a complete hockey game where I can say, like, yeah, Montreal can edge them out here. They really can't. And if it, like I said, it's not going to happen for you in Montreal. You have no home ice advantage. You have none. Like, the, you're going to go from playing in a packed crowd down at Amelie in Tampa with, you know, their fan base is aight. You know, they're, they're, they're not like the rowdiest fans ever, but they, they show up. They've got the noisemakers. Um, and then you go to Montreal, and it's like you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. And that's not going to benefit Montreal to be playing in the Bell Center. It's just not. It's worked for them throughout this whole playoffs, but when you get to the Stanley Cup Finals, different, totally different story. And they, if they do not win Game 2, I think they get swept. I think you go, you go back to Montreal down 2-0, you're getting swept. That's it. Yeah, I think there's a higher... It's more likely that they get swept than, like, they win at home. Yeah. I don't think they. I don't think they can win at home. I really don't. I think like unless they win game two, like you said. But the way I kind of agree with your point, where like the Stanley Cup Finals is a different beast, and like yeah. the fans, it's a it's a different it's a different atmosphere. But that Vegas man, T-Mobile Arena, that place was rowdy. It like, was rowdy, uh, and they did a good job surviving it. Yeah, but and, but that's what but that's kind of the point though. As much to their credit, they did it on the road as much as they did it at home. So they need to win. If Montreal can't do it on the road, I don't think you're doing it anywhere. That's, that's a, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, and Vegas had a yeah. Vegas has a way better crowd than I think Vegas is like. I think Vegas has they're a, a sports town. They I mean they only have two teams right now. They're yeah. a sports town yeah, they for love. sure. Yeah, they, they have they, two teams. The Raiders. Yeah. Raiders. Oh shit! I forgot they existed. <laughs> they got a really nice stadium too. That's funny. I forgot the Vegas Raiders were a thing. How about yeah, that? They shouldn't be. I mean, they the Raiders I mean, and the Chargers there. have moved like thirty times in the past like two years. Yeah, Stadiums, towns, cities, logos, colors, whatever, jerseys, whatever. Uh, it's hard to keep track of it out there, but it doesn't I feel matter. Bad for Oakland, just because they're going to have two teams leave them for Vegas. What's the other? The A's might leave for Vegas. Uh, that's right. There's nothing. They should not. There's do this. nothing. No, I mean I don't think they should do it well, either. Dude, 113 degrees on average. Yeah, baseball yeah. in Vegas would suck. <laughs> yeah. They, I, mean, they I think they'll get an NBA team eventually. Yeah. They should because there's a good market. I mean, well, we've seen it. Oakland had an NBA team, and then they moved across the bay to San Francisco after winning three championships in five years. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I just, I mean, we saw. Also, I think the Supersonics will probably get the NBA team first, and then there's in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot of traction for that, especially with the new um NHL franchise being in Seattle. Oh, you mean the lacrosse team that's going to Seattle? Oh, sure, yeah, lacrosse (laughs) team, big 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 team there. But then you also got to remember, there's already four teams in. 
California because you have both of the LA teams, you have Sacramento, and then you have Golden State. So there's already four teams in that state. I'd be surprised if the 32nd NBA team ended up there. But also the NBA stated that while they're going to expand, they don't currently have any plans to. Oh, no, I don't think they'll get to Oakland. I'm saying Vegas. Oh, oh, oh. I, I thought that when you guys said you think that they'll get an NBA team at some Yeah, point. no, Vegas. That's why. Yeah, okay. No, actually, I can see Vegas getting it. I just it's think it's just because of the market it, there. Literally. Right. But the, the only thing that messes that up slightly is potentially divisions because yeah. when you really. Well, I mean, divisions don't matter, but conferences. Um, because when you actually look at it, that would be interesting because. I think that they could, well, they could probably move the Pelicans into the Eastern Conference because Louisiana is directly below Wisconsin. It's a little bit west of Wisconsin. And so you could make a strong argument for saying that the Pelicans are far enough east, especially with where Milwaukee's located, that they could be moved into the Eastern Conference. And in that case, then yes, you could do a Vegas, uh, I think it's just, you know, we saw them plop a hockey team in the middle of the desert, and their fans are rowdy. It's the sports betting capital of the world, I think. And they have a football team now. Granted, it was their first season in Vegas, and they're not a good football team. So, you know, different different strokes, different folks over there. But... um, like Recent, like, Supreme Court decisions, I think, are making the betting side of moving a team... To Vegas less enticing just because you can bet in a lot more states now and like you know New York you can bet in New York but they also recently passed legislation that would allow for mobile betting um, I think Massachusetts has been on and off debating the topic and so I, a lot of other states are going to follow suit fairly soon and so Vegas is no longer going to be that city where they get all of the, you know, like I think there are going to be a lot of people who like for the nostalgia of it would travel to Vegas to sports bet. Yeah. But I don't know that sports betting is as much of a draw in Vegas now for, you know, like if you're a tourist, then, you know, fine. Yeah. And going to Vegas, you would go and bet. But if you're a franchise, I think there are a lot of other places that you could end up that, you know, you could, you know, that you're going to, if you really cared about sports betting, that you could end up finding a place. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it it takes much account for the franchise more than it does. Like, like you said, like the tourist thing, like you think like someone's going to Vegas, everyone's like, oh, you're going to go to the casino. Like that's the first thing you ask somebody. Well, I mean, I think an underrated part of franchises now, especially new ones coming in is going to be the impact of betting. Because like look at the Suns, they have. Um, if I remember correctly, they literally have a sports book in the stadium. Do that, and so That's you. Sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget if it was the. I, I want to say it was the Suns added it, but I'm, I'm. It's. It might be like it could. I guess technically it could be the Diamondbacks, but I'm pretty sure that they added um, a sports book in um, in the stadium. But you know. It, if you're if you're a franchise, it, like if you're looking to create a franchise, um, yeah, Suns and FanDuel announced Arizona um, build sports book inside arena. Yeah, so they did. 
um, build a sports book alongside FanDuel inside of the arena. So if I'm a new franchise and I'm looking to locate myself, why wouldn't I locate myself in a state that allowed sports betting? You don't even have to get mobile betting, right? Because you can just find a place where betting itself is legal. And then you build, you add a section of the stadium that's a sports book and you have that running before the games and throughout the games. That's a really great way to bring in a, a supplemental income for your ball club. And so I think that's going to be an underrated part in the future, especially, you know, by the time we actually see NBA expansion. I mean, we're not talking for another at least five years based on everything that Adam Silver has been saying. Right. And it's probably going to be longer than that. And so unless something drastically changes in the next, you know, four or five years and, you know, we, you know, as far as the NBA expansion goes. And then as assuming that everything stays on the same pace, as far as betting goes, Right. We're going to see more and more betting and we're not going to see that expansion. And it's, by the time they actually do that expansion, I mean, you could realistically see 35 out of the 50 states have sports betting be legal. And all of a sudden, that's something that you're consciously thinking about when you're locating a franchise. Yeah. Good. All good points being made. Seth. good job. Thank um, you. I try before we hop off, because we have been on this call for over two hours because we had technical issues with myself first and then Michael. Uh, Michael was not Michael was not on the call for my technical issues, but it yeah. was so yeah, my my camera just wasn't working, <laughs> so weird. and it just kept freezing on me. So I had to do the full reboot, and it worked. But um, before we hop off, predictions for the Stanley Cup since we're on the topic. Ooh. Lightning in five. I agree. I always like to say if there's ever a spot for an underdog to win a game in a series, it's game two. Yeah, so I got well, lightning in five. I just don't see the Canadians winning. I can't see it, especially after last night's game. Yeah, that was brutal to watch. <laughs> also, I, I, I was looking on like Ticketmaster just to see what the prices of the tickets were compared to game two and three. So game two at Emily Arena in Tampa, the cheapest ticket. It's three ninety, and that's like up in the nosebleed. So I think that's yeah. pretty expensive, but it's Stanley Cup. And the yep. cheapest ticket at the Bell Center is two thousand four hundred fifty-three dollars. Yep, American. <laughs> so, okay, is that Canadian dollars? That might be Canadian dollars, but still. Game that's crazy. seven in twenty nineteen. The seats that I was sitting in, we could in the corner, the second to last row of the balcony, we could have resold for like fifteen hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, it's crazy. it was insane. I think we got we had our tickets for that game for the Bruins Blues game seven, and I think like the people we were talking to people around us because Grant, you know, that was the first time in I want to say like forty years that Boston had had a game seven Stanley Cup final at home because yeah. you won in twenty eleven on the road. Chicago was game six at home when we lost. Um, so I feel like the the last time the Bruins had a game seven. Stanley Cup final at home. It was 70-whatever when Bobby Orr won it. Yeah. So, you know. That was uh, that was in St. Louis, though. Was it in St. Louis? Oh, that's right. They wore black jerseys on the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it, probably, it, probably, it might have been the first time ever, to be honest with you. Because um, I was trying to think to the Oilers series in the 90s. That, those didn't go seven. And if they did, I don't think they were in Boston. Yeah, sure. um, so, it might have been the first ever. Uh, but those tickets were going for a lot. I remember, like, talking to the people around us. They're like, oh, like, we had the opportunity to sell these. It was like, we weren't going to miss this for the world. In hindsight, I would have fucked that game. 
I hate that. Right, yeah. So I mean, if I knew that they were going to lose <laughs> going in, absolutely. If I knew they were going to get pounded 4-1 to one and that bumfuck Bennington was going to show up for 20 minutes in, in the first period and win the game for the Blues, probably would have sold the tickets. Um, but, yeah. That I have I have two regrets. That's not a regret going to that game. Um, I've never left a, a sporting event early before that game. I left that game early. I was pissed. Um, really? Yeah, never in my life had I left early before. I always stayed, even if the you know Sox games, Patriots, I don't go to Celtics games, Bruins, whatever. If they're getting pounded, I would stay until the end. I uh, never boo teams either, uh, my own team. I left I, game seven early, and that was that's not a regret. I, I just regret that experience. But it's nothing well, I did. <laughs> I would rather see my team lose in a Game 7 in person in the Stanley Cup Final than know that I had the opportunity to be there and then passed it up and saw them and win on win. TV. Right, so I don't regret going. I just regret the experience. Right, that's, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, I'm just upset the at the outcome. But right. I also only... do regret not going to Game 5 a couple weeks ago. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> I think that had a significant amount to do with the Bruins not winning the series. I think it did. I think, yeah, right. I think you can definitely make that claim. Never, never in my life had I missed a Bruins home playoff game like that before. Never. What a sacrifice that was for them to fucking end up losing in six. That game was so depressing. I mean, <laughs> the only game that I've ever left early was a baseball game in Cincinnati, my dad and I, like, just random impulse decision, decided to go to another game. So basically we had gone to, the Mets have the seven line, which is like the fan group that will rent out uh, multiple sections of an opposing stadium and then travel there when the Mets play. And so fall of 2019, so my freshman year, throughout to go to the game with them in Cincinnati. And so, and we flew back the next day or, or whatever was, we went up float in the day before, then gone to the game, then flown back the next day. For whatever it was, the Mets played again that day. And so we stayed for as long as we could and then left and went to the airport. The only game I've ever left early. And I think, I want to say we left partway through the fifth inning and we pushed it as long as we could because whoever started for the Mets in that game had a um I forget if he had a no hitter or a perfect game going, but whatever it was, he had, he had a no hitter going. And we were like we were sitting there and we were like, we really want this to be a no hitter, but we are also kind of relieved when he gave up that first hit because we were like it would have sucked to have left that game having been there and then missed a no hitter. That's the worst feeling in the world is is like the what if of yeah. like of like going to games or like being somewhere. That's what I hate. So like I'm glad like you know there's and there's the reverse of that which is like thank God I ended up going to this game. Which there's some there's some games where ah, I forget what it, I mean the Bruins Islanders game too that we were all at um yeah. like had we not gone to that game, granted they didn't end up win and end up winning, but like that was a stiff fucking comeback they had. Had we left early, we would have missed like probably the most electric I've seen the TD Garden in my life. That was crazy. Yeah. So th- there's both ends of that, good and bad. But uh, but yeah, Lynchy prediction before we hop off. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to say Lightning. I'm going to agree with you guys. Lightning in five. Yeah, seems like a pretty safe bet. Um, hey, the Canadians could surprise us, but I just don't think so. That was my only rationale for them, like, potentially winning the series was like, oh, the whole time everyone's been saying, oh, they're not going to beat the Canadians. Uh, they're not going to beat the Maple Leafs. Oh, they're not going to beat the Jets. Oh, they're not going to beat the Golden Knights. And they just kept doing it. Yeah. So, and everyone's saying like, oh, not the Lightning. And I was like, I mean, we've been saying that this whole time. When yeah. are we going to, when is the flip, the script going to flip? But yeah, I don't right. think it's going to, unfortunately. I think I they, they're at the end of the line. It was a good run. Um, but they're at the end of the line, unfortunately. The uh, touching the Prince of Wales trophy curse will not strike the lightning. Ooh, strike the light. Ooh. 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 Shit! Uh, <laughs> okay. Vila. Vila. <laughs> I love that. Great, great trivia moment. Milan. Milan. Oh. <laughs> All right, yeah, but that's all we've got for episode 77. We will be back soon. I like this group. Maybe we can add Carp and get, you know, all the big four on a podcast. Would be insane. Yeah, it would be. Um, <laughs> but um, we, need a, we need to somehow get a fifth person in for one episode so that we could do you two against me and Carp and do trivia. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I want to go. With, I want to go with you, Brandon. We need someone else to make. Let's get let's get trivia back in the mix. Yeah, uh, yeah I need that, to get my first win. Little summertime trivia. Now that I've got more time on my hands, um, and I'll have tons of time on my hands starting next week. So, yeah, on okay. your one hand. Okay. <laughs> yes, on my one hand. <laughs> Michael and I immediately were like jumping to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but um, but yeah, let's make it happen soon. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening to episode 77. Hey, if you want to make episode 77 the most listened to episode of all time, go for it, guys. No one's stopping you. Um, but thank you. Thank all you boys so much. You've been showing us crazy support lately on podcasts, on Wiffle Ball, on our TikTok. So, like, appreciate it. And we're just, we're going up. So, yeah. Anything else from any? Anything else from anyone else? Any inspirational quotes? I'll be back. I like that. I'll um, <laughs> Seth, anything? No, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right, eat them. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, boys. We'll see you on the flippity flip side. Goodbye now. <laughs> Why don't we skip town? The house is falling from the way I kiss out. Hit a nightclub, sneak into a kicked out. Pay the bouncer $80, cause we both got rich since leaving campus. Your alumni, and I barely graduated with no upside. It's a place we go whenever we get tongue tied. It's a place we go whenever we get tongue tied. Look how far we've come. Look how far we've come.